3: Hi, it's Brett Phillips, and welcome to the podcast version of The First Serve, our latest episode which is aired this week. Our special guests included Aussie young gun Alexi Poprin and international tennis broadcaster Jenny Drummond, Sam Groth and I continuing to discuss the latest developments in the world of tennis. Please note that the decision of the cancellation of the ATP event in Washington did happen a few hours after we went live to air with our latest episode. If you do miss any of our live shows, you can subscribe to The First Serve, not only to get our regular show on a weekly basis, but also our theme podcast, Crunching the Numbers, In the Huddle and Aussies Only. Subscribe through Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify or your preferred podcast platform and keep checking out our website, thefirstserve.com.au. Enjoy our latest show.
2: From the grassroots to the elite, from the juniors to the pros, covering the Aussies tracking the globes to the champions internationally welcome to the first serve your home of tennis thanks to glg green life group your open space specialists glg celebrating 25 years of industry expertise and exceptional service find out more at glgcorp.com
3: Evening everybody, Brett Phillips, Sam Groth in a different night, different time slot in this very adaptable 2020. You've got to be on your toes, you just got to change with the wind because the AFL fixture as it's presented tonight means that we're not going to be on, on a Monday night for quite some time. We mightn't be on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday. It's just a year that we have never seen and hopefully we'll never ever see again. But we try and be glass half full and take the positives. Grothy, welcome to you my friend, good to see you.
1: BP, good to be here. A little bit different on a Tuesday night, a little bit later, as you mentioned. Who knows what's going to happen? 2020 just keeps throwing things up. We've lost our Monday night slot. We've got a Tuesday night slot. We're going to lose that. Who who knows what's going to happen? At least this week, there's been a bit of tennis going on, though, which has been nice to see in a little bit of a longer format, too, which is good.
3: Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Look, no, absolutely. Uh, Glass half full. Normally I'm tucked away in bed by now, Uh, grothy as I'm getting a little older, but I'll tell you, I've been on the jelly beans in the last hour and I've been listening to you on our good partner, 100 Words. Uh, Great chat tonight because they do an outstanding job i always give them a really good plug towards the end of our show doing a, so much work in mental health mate to mate really checking on your mates I've Known craig turton one of the world's best painter uh, for a long long time and uh, great for you to jump on there tonight because a lot of people through covid have been doing it pretty tough and we've seen you know job keeper extended today and job seeker and it's going to take a while for people to you know get back on their feet
1: yeah it certainly is we don't know when all this is going to finish do we but yeah and great work that the guys at 100 work doing it was a pleasure to be able to chat with turts tonight and you know if you can have a little bit of an impact or give somebody i guess the motivation or the encouragement by telling your story that maybe they speak up you only have to help one person and, you know and as much as anything in this year we've, we've got to lean on each other and we've all got to work together so no, it was, it was great to be able to support those guys and, and have a really good chat
3: yeah absolutely yeah uh, 100words.org.au doing some uh, mighty work talking to you know grothy mark worthington the week before i think mason wood is going to be on next week he's been on the show before So some uh, really good stories in sport and out of sport. Hey, I noticed, uh, Grothy, uh, Greg Grzetsky, who won 15 titles on the ATP World Tour, and very good player and doing a nice job as a commentator these days. Tennis on a scale of 1 to 10 is one of the least transmittable. It's below golf. There's no reason tennis can't start without the crowds there and gradually bring them in when allowed to do so. Now, it's a very, very true statement. The only issue we've got, Sammy, is we've just got to try and get the whole world aligned and this is the difficulty facing tennis right now. Who's going to open? Who's not going to open? Who's going to stay closed? Who's not going to be allowed in? And as we sit here tonight, we can't definitively say the US Open is absolutely on or absolutely off. Washington's as one of the key lead-ups, that they might be in a bit of strife. The whole European Union not wanting people to come in straight away from the United States, quarantining. My goodness me, I don't know when we're going to get a resolution. I mean, we're told the 27th of July is absolutely D-Day. That's next Monday officially and the clock is continuing to tick, Sam.
1: I flip-flop every week on this. One week I think yeah, they're going to do everything they can. The US Open's going ahead and the next week I'm all, no, there's no way it can happen. The more it plays out, the more I look at the PGA Tour going ahead week to week. I think they've got a US Open. They're going to play a major next week or in the next couple of weeks in in the States. You start to think that I think the US Open goes ahead and I think they'll do a deal of some sort to get the players from Europe to go there. And I think at some point we've probably all got to be optimistic that we can come back and someone's going to have to go out on a limb and be the first torment that says let's do it and, and not just because I was going to be involved with the event but I think it's great that World Team Tennis went ahead and, and they've been pretty tough this week on what they're doing around coronavirus and Danielle Collins was excused from the event for, for breaking their protocols and mm-hmm. I think they set a really good standard there by doing that and saying that we're going to be tough on this because everyone's watching this as a three-week event how can a longer format event with multiple players and everything go ahead they've got fans there's not many there not many people are going out to watch unfortunately for that event but you've got to understand that that's going to be the case that people are still going to avoid you know going out in public Well a lot of people still might some people don't some yeah. people have no regard for, for anything but no. You, know, you you just think that at some point and you like to be optimistic because I want to see tennis down here in January as well. So you like to think at some point that things are going to get back to normal and maybe the players, you know, they jump at the opportunity to maybe go and try and play and, and the more it plays out and they haven't cancelled yet, you've got to think that the US Open probably does go ahead. I am flip-flopping and I'm openly flip-flopping. Yeah. What's but hard? you speak to people and you see the planning and... It's hard to know exactly. I'd love
3: to be a fly on the wall. Uh, the, the amount of stuff that would be going on behind the scenes to get all this done. If you're just catching up on the Danielle Collins news that Grothy mentioned, I mean, the feisty American who's been, you know, 25 in the world, made a semi here in Australia a couple of years ago and let us know all about it. She's come through the college system where there's all that rah-rah. She was dismissed from the World Team Tennis for violating its protocols for actually leaving the resort in West Virginia where it's been played and the state of West Virginia altogether. So she's the one that had a bit of a crack at Novak Djokovic for his behaviour and co. The Adria Tour a few weeks ago.
1: Well, that's what makes this all the more ironic, really, doesn't it? She's the one, as you said, that was the that was vocal about how they're not following protocols and all these protocols put in place, and she's the one that not only left the venue, she left the state. I don't know where <laughs> she went and when she was planning on coming back, but, yeah, they've just said, no, nah, thanks for
3: coming, you're out. Hey, Kim Kleisters, I did notice at uh, WTT. Now, we were getting a little bit excited about Kim coming back, just what she could do. I mean, you know, she's uh, I've interviewed her a couple of times and she's, she's great value and uh, done a nice job sort of transitioning a bit of commentary and coaching, got her academy set up over there in Belgium, says 36, I want to come back and play. And that got stalled, obviously, but she's knocked over Kennan, Collins and Stevens at the WTT. Now, we know it's not the full-on format. Grothy at the WTA Tour, but there's the intrigue of, you know, what Kim can actually deliver on the comeback trail. Yeah, and if you're not up
1: to it, even in that short format, it is high energy, high pace. You've yeah. got to be ready to go. I've played a bunch of seasons. You know, if, if you're, again, it's different to playing a full match at Grand. Slam level or to a level, but you know, if she's winning first to five sets against you know the caliber player that you're mentioning, I still don't put huge high hopes on, on the level she can reach during a comeback. But if this is what she wants to do, and this is the thing with our sport, if people are prepared mm. to give her wild cards or she wins matches and her ranking gets back up, she has every right to play for as long as she wants.
3: Well that's the great part about an individual sport. You can leave or you can come back. The only person tapping you on the shoulder is yourself. And we learned in the last twenty four to forty eight hours, Severin Luthi saying that all twenty twenty he's probably not going to be the final hurrah for uh, Roger Federer. I mean, he's effectively having a a whole year off now
1: that might get two more years out of his career. So who knows when that journey's going to end? Who wants to be the one to come out? And I don't want the headline to be, Sam Groth thinks Roger Federer should hang the rackets up. Because if I say that he's done next year, that'll be the headline that comes out. But, you know, I I say it again, another year, yes, maybe he gets his body feeling better. But another year, you are also another year older. You don't recover the same way, whether you've played tennis for that year or you haven't. I don't think we... With the career he's had that we any of us have the right to say when he should quit I think you know I experienced a lot with Leighton obviously being really close to him and you know, when when you're as good as those guys are if you want to keep competing and you want to be around the game and you, and you love being a part of it then I mm. think you probably have every right to decide when you want to stop it's like Kim coming back she's done so much in the game yep. these players have the right to decide when they stop yeah no doubt and I'm sure there's also a calendar
3: planned because he would want to actually and, and fans around the world would want to say probably properly to Roger thank you. Thank you for 20 unbelievable years. Uh, You've just been an absolute freak of the game. So he would, I would think 12 months out from when he's going to retire, say, okay, I'm going to play this event, that event, that event. This is where you can see me. I mean, we've seen him do all these exhibitions in the last couple of years going to spots that he's never been to. At least they've got a a little bit of Roger Federer up close. So he's covered just about every corner of the globe. But I reckon he'll he'll announce something that will see us know probably 12 months out that this is going to be the the last dance, so to speak.
1: And you can't imagine that any event, if Roger said, look, I'd really love to play one final event in name your city, that any event's going to go oh no 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 Roger we don't think you're you're up to it anymore like please yeah. don't come every city would put their hand up to have Roger Federer at their event and he'd even be the LG's. first player that they sign
3: even Algiers oh he's
1: not going Algiers I'll tell you I don't, I'd take a lot to get him to Algiers <laughs> take a lot to get me to Algiers oh,
3: I'll tell you what
1: uh, luckily we got you out of there have you ever heard of a guy called Chad Wolf no
3: well he's a former college tennis player and I'm hearing he's been described as the secret weapon for getting players to the US Open I'll just leave it at that so if the US Open and goes ahead, we might be thanking a guy called Chad Wolf because apparently he's got some influence over a lot of players. As we've been previewing the last couple of days, tonight we're going to chat to one of the young guns of Australian tennis in Alexi Popper, and he's coming up in a few moments time. We spoke to young Alex Demenorn a few weeks ago, I mean, there are 63 ranked Australian players on the ATP Tour, Grothy, and these are the two, at 20 and 21 respectively, that you can see potentially, and we say potentially because they're damn tough to win, but you can see these two really going to another level where that level gets to we don't know but this kid is exciting and and he and you know Demon or have had very very similar journeys
1: yeah and you hope that they can feed off each other too i think it helps to have someone of a similar age and they can maybe push each other and you know, I'm interested to talk to Popper and find out you know, what he's thinking with the US Open situation. you got to think that seeing what he did in Australia and on the hard court, it's a chance for him to maybe play well, especially if some players don't go. But he's also based out of Europe, yeah. and he would have been preparing to play these European events close to what he deems as probably his home. Well, from what I understand,
3: though, he's he's ruled it out. So unless Yeah, he's well, that's what his I thought. That, that
1: that was what I I had heard. So, yeah, obviously, speaking to a few people, I'd heard that he wasn't planning to go to New York. Now, whether that's mm-hmm. the right decision or not, I mean, who knows? Yep. If the exemptions come up, will people change their mind on that situation? Yep. I don't know, but I'd be interested to see his thought process or hear his thought process, and I look forward to asking him that. Yeah, we'll ask him that very shortly. And also joining us tonight, I've actually been wanting to have her on the show for
3: quite some time because I bump into her right around the world at all the tournaments. Uh, Jenny Drummond has got those beautiful dulcet tones, and she's a very good commentator, host. Uh, she was at the UTS uh, recently there at the Muratoglu Academy, so she can give us her take on that, and she's right up to speed with everything happening in the world of tennis. So that to come uh, this hour. We'd love to uh, hear from you as well. one 736 736 or on the text 433 9811 and we are here thanks to Top Agents Real Estate servicing all of Melbourne. If you live here or you're looking to move to the beautiful city of Melbourne, maybe after the lockdown, looking to buy, rent, sell, have their property investment managed, uh, make contact with David and his team 9558 4599 or head to their website top-agents.com.au You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram, Alexi Popran, to join us next here on The First Serve.
2: The First Serve, your home of tennis. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, celebrating 25 years providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia. GLG, your open space specialists. GLGCorp.com.
3: Welcome back to The First Serve. It's a, a special Tuesday night edition with a Monday Night Footy last night. Fair bit of Monday Night Footy to come, so not quite sure where we're going to slot in this very adaptable next uh, few weeks on the AFL calendar, but we'll keep you posted and all our details, of course, at thefirstserve.com.au and follow us on all the socials. Uh, plenty of updates there as well, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Brett Phillips alongside Sam Grother tonight. Jenny Drummond, international tennis commentator a little bit later on this hour. But Grothy, we wanted to check in with a young man who has been on this show. In fact, like the first time he ever came on was leading into when he won the French Open boys' singles going back a few years ago. And certainly we knew then that there was a promising career in front of him. And maybe he's exceeded his own expectations at such a young age, but has been as high as 87 in the world at just 20. So cracking the top 100, we've seen third round of the last two Australian Opens, third round of the US Open last year. And like uh, Alex Demonor, who we spoke to a few weeks ago, has had an interesting journey. Uh, born in Sydney, to Russian parents, age of eight, went to Dubai and then on to Spain and now doing a lot of his training at the Moritoglu Academy where he and his family are based for a chunk of the year. Popper, and it's great to have you back on the first serve, mate.
4: Hey guys, it's great to be back.
3: I saw an interview in fact, I've heard a couple of interviews one you did with Todd Woodbridge for Tennis Australia, going back a few weeks ago, you were there, sort of holed up in the apartment, yep. I know your family, yeah, it's a great opportunity to spend a lot of time with them, I've seen you take part in the UTS recently and which was a good different format to have a look at it's been just a really strange year hasn't it Alexi? I mean how have you continued to adapt to a year that obviously just hasn't been normal from your point of view
4: yeah definitely I think it's been uh it's been a very 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 strange and difficult year for everyone you know I, after after Indian Wells got canceled it kind of it kind uh-huh. of like popped into my brain that wow maybe the rest of the season is going to be canceled and that's what happened and um, I went straight I went straight home uh, the day after Indian Wells was canceled and you know i hadn't left the house for about three months before during the lockdown and um you know it was, it was uh it was a great time to spend with my family and you know i i there's not many times where i could spend three months in a row at home and you know spend time with my family and see and see them and uh you know and just and yeah the lockdown kind of eased up in europe and france and uh we were able to play the uts tournament which was which was really great got me back into competition um, which was which was missed a lot I think you know it was something that I missed a lot it was, it was great to play
1: pop obviously you're very close with Patrick Moritoglu. you've been over there for a long time he was running those events what did it feel like getting back onto court and talk to us about some of the things that you had to I guess adapt in playing an event like that because there was a few little weird and wacky situations and things thrown in there it was a different event
4: completely different um, the format was different you know and just 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 the whole atmosphere was completely different you know we we weren't playing the normal format that the ATP uses um, playing counting by points we were playing four quarters by ten minutes so it was on time you had different cards that you could use let's say wild cards that you could use while in the quarter you get two a quarter and those cards were probably the most important thing in, in this format you had to use them very wisely you had to use them well yeah and, and it's just, just the competition honestly I think I miss that the most when, when playing tennis um, you know no matter what format it is I think I think just being out there and competing was really was. Really really great for me mentally and, and, you know, just I enjoyed it a lot.
3: Alexi and with us on the first serve uh, tonight, of course, the ultimate tennis showdown we're referring to that has taken place uh, the last uh, four or five weekends at the Moratoglu Academy, Berrettini. won wanted, I think, a team playing pass Sitsipas, Goffarm, Benoit Paire, a lot of really, really good players. I'm, I'm a big Patrick Moritoglu fan, Alexi. I like listening to him. Obviously, he's gained a lot of notoriety coaching Serena Williams, but, you know, he's had his academy set up. He's a voice that has a lot of opinions. His whole thought process about the UTS is not to replace the ATP, the WTA and, and tennis as it is, because that has got a captive audience. But trying to capture a new audience and his belief that there is room for both to coexist. And we've seen so many other sports around the world have maybe shortened formats, you know, 2020 in cricket, other sort of offshoot little leagues that can pop up that can be that little bit of difference. I mean, as someone who's yeah. in that young generation, I mean, do you
4: sort of share that vision that he's got? I think, yeah, I, I definitely do. I think um, I think tennis is, is lacking the younger generation generation of fans. If you look at it, statistics, I think tennis's average age of fans that watch 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 um, tennis is, is around 60 years old. So I definitely do think that the two leagues, the ATP and UTS, can coexist. It's a matter of, of scheduling, though, and all that, but uh, I definitely do think that they can coexist. And I think with this UTS, I think it has captured the, the fans, the younger generation of fans. I think it's it's become very interesting for them. It's, it's fast-paced, and it's very it's very fun
1: to watch and play at the same time and i think
4: i think um that's what really made it interesting to the younger generation
1: pop you mentioned excitement you mentioned scheduling it's going to be a big thing in the next few weeks Obviously, everyone's trying to get back. We've seen exhibition events happen all over the world. But obviously, the big discussion now comes to the US Open. Can that US swing go ahead? And then how does that flow into the European swing and a French Open two or three weeks after a US Open finishes? Our understanding, BP, has been that you said you wouldn't go to the US Open. Is that still your plan? And how did you come to that decision? BP mentioned, Brett mentioned there, that you'd made the third round of the US Open last year. Is that a tough decision for you to make? Or, Or what is your decision, I guess, with your schedule? for the for the remainder of the year should everything go ahead of course
4: uh you know I think it was relatively easy for me you know I, I me and my family are a family that like that that keeps safe and I just don't think it's, it's it's the right time to honestly travel across the world and try live in the bubble that they say they'll they will create which will be very very difficult and I just don't think it's safe for me for my family and for my team to go play and to go to the US where where cases are just rising by the day yeah we I came to that decision fairly quickly spoke with my team I spoke with my family and we all agreed that, that it's not the right time to go. That we'd rather stay in Europe and po- possibly play challenges around Europe. And uh, you know, with challenges we wouldn't be taking planes. We'd be in our car and we'd be able to drive around and play. You know, I think I think it's it's a more safe option for, for us. And I think I think it was the right decision on, on our half.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's your prerogative to do whatever works for you. You've obviously spent a lot of time around a lot of other European guys during the UTS, and it's hard to speak for an entire playing group. But what was the feeling amongst most of those players? regarding the US Open and their feeling towards going to New York.
4: Yeah, it's a, that's that's Tough question, you know. I think I think a lot of people were, were 50/50. Spoke to a couple of people and and, uh, and you know they they were 50/50 on going to America. They they had to speak to their team, to their families, um, and they had to see what's best for them. Not a lot of people have pulled out just yet, but I think there'll be much more much more pullouts in in, in coming in the coming weeks. You know that uh, honestly, I don't know what any any other person is thinking. You know, I'm just I was just speaking on behalf of myself and what's best for me, my family, and my team.
3: Have you got a gut feeling, Alexi? We've been debating. This for a number of weeks. I mean, I'm getting one on the text here from Aaron in Airport West here in Melbourne. I'm just not sure why you would want to be in the states with the amount of cases. We all want tennis, but is it worth the risk? If you think it's going to go ahead, the U.S. Open or not?
4: I think I'm not. I'm not too sure, honestly. Um, I think things are bigger than tennis, and uh, I think I think playing with playing with players' lives and playing with your own lives, your team's life is is very very stupid on, on my in my opinion. And you know, I I honestly don't think it, it, it's right to for it to be going on but I I have a gut feeling that it will still go on we will have to wait and see Um, I'm really not too sure about that
1: I can relate a little bit BP I was was supposed to be in the US working at the moment and I was trying to do everything I could to go there. I think there's going to be people that definitely take Alexi's point of view where they think, you know, my safety and I need to do the right thing. I think there's going to be other people though who want to get back to work and this is their livelihood and you know, you lose a year out of your career for some players, especially maybe on the, the older end as well. It just doesn't keep ticking on your career at some point, you know, you need to get out there and play. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm condoning the US Open going ahead, but everyone's going to have their differing opinions and I think it's going to be like this for a while and the players are going to have the option whether they play or not. I know they've adjusted the ranking system. Do you, do you think the ATP, Alexi, yeah. has been fair with the way they've adjusted that and given the players a little bit of that flexibility to play or not?
4: I think they definitely have. Um, before before um, they did the ranking adjustments, we were we were very worried that I'd be forced to go and play there because I was defending the third round of US Open and I'd have to go there and against my will to to, to try stay inside the top hundred. You know, um, with with the third round disappearing, if if they hadn't adjusted the rankings, then I, and if I wouldn't have gone, I. Would have fallen outside of top one hundred and fifty, which wouldn't be, which wouldn't be great for, for my career at all.
1: Pop, does that play into your thinking? The fact that you have a third round that would technically stay on for another year does that give you incentive to actually not go and play?
4: No, not really. I think financially wise, it would be smart to go and play. I I, I made the decision purely based on 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 the safety. It, it the fact that my third round stays on, it, it doesn't give me any more incentives to stay. Um, you know, I, I always go to a tournament believing that I can do better than, than, I, than I did last year, you know, and, and if I were to go, I'd be aiming for a fourth round um, and I wouldn't be scared of, you know, losing the points. So I, I think, no, it doesn't give me an extra incentive to stay at home at all.
3: We're joined by Alexey Popper and one of our brightest prospects on the uh, men's side. We had a question from Steve just on our Twitter account, Alexey. Uh, how did he find yep. the, uh, the full year on the ATP tour last year? And what, what were the key learnings you took from that full year playing at that ATP level?
4: yeah um you know i learned i learned a lot of things about me personally and about my game you know and about just the life on the atp i think um i i had chances of just staying on the challenger circuit and playing but i wanted to play up i wanted to play as many atp events as i could and uh you know no matter if they were qualifying or or, or main draw events um and i think i qualified more than 10 times into into atp events and i think that really gave me confidence and and belief that i could actually be be on that uh be be on that level and I I think that's what I learned the most is that my game and the way I play right now is, is suitable for that high level and I think it's just the consistency that I, that I have that needs to go up a bit that I just need to be a bit more consistent with my game and my results you know I think I've sort of showed it in grand slams, where, as you said that's earlier, you know, a couple third rounds in in Aussie Open and and US Open, and yep. and second rounds in French and Wimbledon. You know, I think on the on the grand slam level, I think I've been pretty consistent. But it's just on that ATP level, where on the on the tour events, I, I think I just need to, you know, be be a bit more consistent there. You know, at the start of this year, it, it didn't go too great for me after Aussie Open. You know, I lost uh, first rounds and then some some in qualifying, um, which is more than I. Than I had lost last year, so you know it, it was it was a difficult start of the year for me, and uh, and uh, I, I'm I've been working since the lockdown to to try and uh, do better than I had once the tour comes back.
3: I just one final one for you. I think I think Australian tennis and Grothy would agree here. I would think it's uh, lucky to have you and. And Alex you know two young guys who have got from the outside looking in great attitudes good people around you prepared to put in the hard work yeah. uh, you've got great foundations I think you both present really really well and you'll continue to grow with all the media that tennis players have to do but just that inner circle around you tell us how valuable that is from your family to coaches having the base where you can really do some great preparation at a place like the Moritoglo Academy
4: yeah definitely I think it's one of the most important things a tennis player Players should have is, 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 is having the right team and the right base around him i think what with what i've got right now i think i'm i'm very lucky and i'm definitely not taking it for granted you know i've got i've got my family who support me with everything i do you know my mum my dad helped me out uh so so much and you know i got my tennis coach my fitness coach there with me at the academy and we've been with them putting in the hard yards ever since lockdown um, yeah I, I think'm I'm, I'm very fortunate to have the team around me and I think uh it's probably the most important thing to have as well as um, mentality to, to you know keep working keep keep trying to get better I think that's also very important personally but without the team it would be very very difficult for for a player to really improve or do it by themselves no
3: doubt. well we look forward to once everything gets back to normal hopefully seeing that trajectory just continue to go up you've had a look inside the top 100 big serve great off the ground it's a good game to watch and uh, look forward to seeing you just continue to build in what is a really tough global sport but you're doing all the things pretty right from what I can see uh, really appreciate you coming back on the show Matt and uh, all the best uh, when we do get back underway
4: thanks guys thanks for having me thanks Pop appreciate it
3: Alexei Poprin, uh, joining us over there in uh, Europe where he's uh, been based uh, Grothy uh, right throughout this uh, lockdown and it's, it's a game that I think can continue to take him a long way there's no guarantees but he's uh,
1: he's got the right mentality and he's just got that look in the eye. Yeah, he certainly does and as he, as he said, you know, he's performed at the, the highest level. It's more about that consistency yep. now and you know 2020 as tough as it's going to be for everyone, it's going to be tough for a young player too because he would have had you know another six months on the tour right now it's six months of his development of playing matches against these best guys that he sort of missed as well so interesting to see how he comes out and like everyone you know is there going to be more upsets when we go back to normal because it's been a very very odd year it has could get odder
3: Yarra tennis coaching Melbourne's award-winning coaching program there at Eaglemont uh, since 2002 Shane Scrutton and his team do a beautiful job you can send your kids down there even if you're around our uh, vintage uh, you can get some beautiful tennis coaching uh, Yarra tennis. .com.au Jenny Drummond the delightful Jenny Drummond to join us next on the first serve
2: The first serve your home of tennis thanks to GLG Greenlife Group celebrating 25 years providing landscape horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia GLG your open space specialists GLGcorp.com
3: Welcome back to The First Serve. We are on a Tuesday night. We're a little bit later in this uh, AFL season that is getting uh, moved here, there and... Everywhere. Not quite sure how we're going to pan out over the next few weeks, but we'll keep you posted, all that information at thefirstserve.com.au and uh, keep an eye on our socials as well as we build up to a yay or a nay for the US Open, French Open. What's happening there? We thought we'd uh, welcome in tonight a uh, lady that I see at the tennis all the time. She's always got a very bright smile. She uh, plays a number of roles in tennis as a broadcaster and uh, popping up here, there and everywhere. Jenny Drummond, it's lovely to have you on the first serve for the very first time oh, Thanks very much both
0: Brett and Sam it's great to great to be on
3: Bit of ground to try and cover with you I'll get back to the UTS in just a moment but over there in Europe the decision looming with the US Open I mean you've got your finger close to the ground you're connected with so many people in tennis uh, what, what can you tell us from your own point of view of what you think is going to unfold in the next few weeks
0: Well it, it's a a tough one because there are so many players, not just players, also media and um, everyone involved in the tournaments who are just so apprehensive about going to the states at the moment. Um, given the number of cases that are, are happening each day in New York and. It's not just even getting there. It's then the repercussions as to what follows thereafter. Are they, Is everyone who goes there going to get stuck? Or are you going to be quarantined? And it, it's then the ripple effect. How does that, if you are then allowed back, how does that affect everyone else? I think there is a real uneasy feeling about the whole thing. And it, it's a really difficult one because on the one hand, you've got the USPA who are desperate to to get this going and of of course for for the economy and everything like that they want want it to go ahead but then you, you just can't put a price on health and that is where so many players and other people just don't want to go and not to mention if it does go ahead how, how bizarre it would be to play in Arthur Ashe Stadium with no one there because it's one of the biggest stadiums on the planet. Exactly, not every player plays on it. But out of all the Grand Slams, that that one in particular, US Open, is the stadiums are huge.
1: It's a bizarre feeling, Arthur Ashe Stadium, when it's empty. I remember practicing in there and standing on the the, the court level trying to hit balls out of the stadium. And when it's empty, it's just this weird, big-feeling stadium, obviously now with the roof. It is going to be an odd feeling. And is it is this the feeling you're getting from the players, though? We obviously we just spoke to Alexi Popperin, and, and he said the same thing, that his health's yeah. going to come first, and they've made the decision. Obviously, we're seeing World Team Tennis go ahead in the U.S. right now. And you know, there's players, predominantly U.S., but there's definitely some foreign players playing that event. Do you think we're going to get a mass exodus of players pulling out of the U.S. Open, or do you think it's really going to be that 50-50 split between... People who prioritise playing over, I guess, that health impact.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was, I was thinking about that yesterday. I was having a discussion with one of my colleagues. Like, what if, what if, say Novak goes, but then Rafa doesn't? Is that actually going to happen? Because then they, you start thinking about the Grand Slam totals as well. Like, because they still count. If it goes ahead, they still count. So, what is the effect going to be? Is there going to be a sheep effect in terms of some if some players say yes, others are going to be like, oh, well, they said yes, so no, I'm okay. And it's, then it comes down to the actual individual and the character and what matters to them at that particular time. So, I mean, being over here at UTS, chatting to some of the players here, a lot of them are, if, it goes, if it's going ahead, then they're going. Most of them are, but they just cannot see it actually happening. And obviously now with... Doubts over the City Open too. um it's just looking more and more unlikely. But at the same time, the USCA are going to wait to the last possible second to cancel it. There, there's no way. But as far as I'm aware, there's not much that has actually been organized. Because you can't book that much stuff for, say, all the players, the hotels, everything like that. Because... There, there's so much uncertainty around the whole thing.
1: Is, is the feeling, do you think, with the players, the uncertainty about the United States in general, or is it around the restrictions that the US Open's putting in place? And do the players have the feeling that what they're doing is adequate for an event to go ahead? W- where are their fears coming from? I- is it just what we're hearing in the media and what's reported? Is that where the uncertainty is, is from?
0: Yeah, p- uh, absolutely. So f- first of all, it is the number of cases going there. Why would they put themselves in danger? when they know that that is a danger zone. Then also the number of restrictions in place, just as, as, as a player, granted it's going to be foreign, but that the number of restrictions are very, very tight. It's so difficult to actually kind of lead any form of normality out there at the US Open. So I think that is really quite unsettling for so many of the players too. And also then they have a responsibility to to not go places, to social distance. If the players go, are there going to be some who break it? Of course there are. For sure. So that is then, again, the effect, the ripple effect out there. And it's not just going to be players who do it. It will be journalists, it will be um, team members, physios, whoever, whoever is out there. So it's a really difficult situation to manage and for, for everyone to actually toe the line and for no one to actually kind of rebel in any way, shape or form. Because it's, some of it's subjective as well, so it's, it's difficult to, to predict how people will behave at the time.
3: So there's that part of it, uh, Jenny. And then there's this big sticking point about everyone getting back into Europe with the EU conditioning there with the quarantining. Yeah. So for those that go really deep into uh, New York or not even go deep because Madrid is uh, is so close, I, I can't see how they're going to allow just a special exemption for tennis players. But obviously that that's huge. I and mean, that's going to put off, you would think, a lot of players from going over, knowing that coming back to Europe, they're not going to be able to just be let back in.
0: Exactly. I think that's a massive issue as well. And of course, It's difficult because it's a grand slam, so they want to play it in that sense. But at the same time, how is it then going to affect the rest of their year? Would they actually rather sit out the US Open and then play Madrid, Rome, Roland Garros, and then then any potential other tournaments going on for the rest of the year? In my humble opinion, I think it would be nicer to start the season from Madrid, to restart the season from Madrid. It just seems a little bit safer, Um, but that is not my call in any way shape or form but it's I just think that it's so uneasy and unsettling for the players and and every, everyone who's part of their team and what is the right decision this is what people just want to be told what the right decision is but there there really isn't
3: one you're at UTS love the commentary I'm a fan of Patrick Moritoglu <laughs> and I said that to Alexi Popram before yeah. if you were in charge of tennis yeah, Jenny, I mean, you travel around the world you see tennis in all, all its glory and this is a, a year and Grothy yeah. and I've been talking about you know tennis is an opportunity to reset reshape how it looks is there room for a a UTS is there room for other things to mix in with the ATP the WTA tour how would you if you had a blank canvas how would you set up the sport of tennis
0: yeah it's a really good question because it's got me thinking like I'm a hardcore tennis fan have been since I was a kid so I do part of me sits on that side where I will happily sit down and watch five hours of tennis no problem or watch back-to-back matches and for two weeks I don't I don't mind that at all but then there's the other side of me that when there's time difference or I'm not at a tournament. Am I unless it's a big match, am I really gonna switch it on and sit there for I don't know, could be could be 45 minutes or could be three hours. It is a really difficult one, and then also the the average age. Patrick was telling us this at the beginning. The average age of a, a, someone who watches tennis is a, a tenniser is in their 60s, and that's when they're going to climb. And that is that's quite terrible because you see how many young people are involved in tennis, and to think, especially for someone like Alexei, he's 20 years old. If he knows that the average age of a person watching him is 60, that's not like it's not really what he's after either and the tennis here has just been completely mind-blowing in terms of getting the insights of the players at the sit-downs and, and also just changing the format. I get that tennis is traditional, and but I do think changes need to be made. For, for me, the warm-up needs to go 100%. And there's like 5% of tennis is actually tennis being hit, a ball being hit. The rest of it is dead air. The rest of it is nothing. We can't change tennis overnight, but I think definitely different things need to be implemented because it can get boring and it, it's not appealing to, to the Masses as a sport and something kind of needs to be addressed in the future whether that is including more events like UTS or whether that is removing best of five sets and grand slams or what for, for men or whatever it is I do think you need to have a little look at what's happening and I know that
1: yep.
0: some audiences when UTS was going on were saying what on earth is this you're just you're um you're ruining tennis what are you doing not trying to not trying to rival it, it's just something different. And people don't say yeah, change. It's so funny to see their reaction. But yeah, what's wrong with, with doing something as well? You know, it's just as fun. Absolutely. It's hey Jenny, more.
3: time's on the uh, fly for us, uh, live radio. We've raced through an hour quickly. I'd love to get you back on. There's so many things to talk about in tennis, but really appreciate you jumping on. D Day the next few days, US Open. We'll wait and find out. But hey, look forward to running into you absolutely. again and having you back on the show. Oh,
0: course, of course and guys yeah stay safe I know Melbourne's in lockdown again so I'm sorry to hear that but I hope
3: you guys are well we're loving it thank you Jenny Jenny Drummond uh, from Scotland of course it's a better accent it's beautiful accent joining us here on the first serve back to uh, wrap up on a Tuesday night
2: (laughs) the first serve your home of tennis thanks to GLG Green Life Group celebrating 25 years providing landscape horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia GLG Your open space specialists, glgcorp.com.
3: Welcome back. Our final little segment here on the first serve on this uh, Tuesday night. Great to catch up with Alexi Popperin. Tonight is a young man, Grothy, who is on the rise and got a really good future. His nickname at UTS was the Sniper. I actually didn't get a chance to bring that up with him, but he was, along with Moritoglu, one of the co-founders of uh, UTS. So he's got a good head on his shoulders, a lot of good people around him, and a, I think a real chance to have some uh, great success. Got a little glimpse of him in the Davis Cup last year. And Jenny Drummond, I could listen to Jenny talk uh, all night. She knows quite a bit. And loves the tradition, but surely there is room, Sam, for the tradition and the new to mix in somehow. And and tennis has got to stay ahead of the curve with so much competition in sport.
1: Yeah, it certainly does. And you look at cricket as a prime example for that. You know, the test cricket gives the people that love the traditional side of the sport, it's five-day format. We have, I still like best of five at Grand Slams. I like that ultimate test, but I think there is room to work other Things into what we're doing. Also, I think it was great. Like, uh, training to Alexi, how he's developing as a, as a young man, not just a tennis player. We've both yeah. spent time talking to him in our current roles, and you know his ability yeah. to deal with the media and developing himself. I think it's great to see.
3: It's funny. One thing you forget, Sam. You go and listen to he and Alex. You know, I go around as you. You know, I've done sitting at so many press conferences, and you actually forget. Oh, these guys are only twenty or twenty-one, yeah, and they're dealing with Australian journalists, and then you know, little will come in, the Italian journalist, and just throw a six-minute question at them, and it's um, yeah, you know, it's a lot to contend with, and no, uh, those two, I think, are just growing and growing, not only as tennis players, as you said, but as as people in the spotlight. So hats off to the people around them, guiding them.
1: Well, I think, and Alexi put it in a great way, putting the right team around, and both those guys have done that. We spoke to Alex a few weeks ago; he's done that with Adolfo and his physical team. We hear Alexi doing the same thing with his family and his team and yeah, you know, I think we're we're in a good position with those two to lead Australian men's tennis forward for, for a lot of years. Absolutely. Just want to thank Starting From Scratch. I went out and saw Macca last
3: Friday. That was up on our socials. He's a great man, uh, of course, uh, offering that premium glass repair. So they specialise in the removal of window scratches, uh, bringing it back to its uh, former glory. If you see the pics from the old to the new, absolutely spotless. Don't need to throw out the old windows. Head to their website, Starting From Scratched. Dot .com.au, and they're a great supporter of ours here on the first serve. So from here, I don't know exactly what our format's going to be over the next few weeks now that the AFL uh, fixture has come out, but Grothy, as they say,
1: TBC. Well, mate, I'm going to do exactly what you said. I'm not going to keep my ear to the ground or my finger on the pole, so I'm going to keep my finger on the ground, apparently. That's the new one from you today.
3: Yeah, nothing like a mixed metaphor. Uh, Grothy will sound even better for those not listening to us live uh, tonight. Keep up to date with thefirstserve.com.au. That's our website. Plenty of stuff going on during the week and all our socials. Thank you, Samuel. Nice work. Hit them well on the golf course. You'll be out there a few mornings this week, surely.
1: I'll be out there first thing tomorrow morning. Straight to bed for me now, so I'm up nice and early, ready to go beautifully done that's it for us on the first serve we'll uh, talk to you very soon
3: here on SCN
2: subscribe to the first serve via Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to the live shows you miss on a Monday night plus our weekly themed podcast content including Aussies Only Crunching the Numbers and In the Huddle produced by Study and Play USA plenty of content to listen to weekly subscribe to the first serve your home of tennis